It is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> I'm uh, glad you're here. And those of you watching online, I'm glad you're there too. Just uh, this morning, um, I just want to make mention, um, good to have some, some of you I've not seen, new people. I think you're new. I don't know for sure. But, um, so I'm not pointing anybody out. But I'm glad you're here. Um, but if you are new, um, encourage you to fill out the connection card. Let us know that you are here, and we'd love to send you the information about things that are happening here. And uh, so, we're um, today we're we're not we're kind of in between uh, series, and uh, because I wanted to speak on this subject, I felt like say I wanted, I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on this subject, and uh, we're we're going to talk about time. Now, time is is an interesting, you know, thing, and we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective, but time is, uh, well, we don't have enough of it. I've said that more than I have said I don't have enough money, um, and uh, there are plenty of times that I had neither. Um, but time is really uh, a, an important, in fact, probably the most valuable thing we have on earth. You know, on earth, it's, it's one thing you cannot get enough of or you can't borrow. You can't borrow. You can't pay for it. There's a limited amount. You have a limited amount. You, you, the Bible says, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom because if we are numbering our days, recognizing that there's a limited amount of time, even though we don't know how long it is, we know that at some point, at the end of all that, we will face the living God. And that is a wise, you know, kind of way to perceive life and to walk through life with that understanding of, that, uh, of your mortality. One of the great things in life is, in fact, to recognize you're mortal and that you don't live forever and you'll make wiser decisions if you do that. Not in fear. Not in like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, only living for, I'm not paying attention to what's going on here, only living kind of in, in, in heaven, in our mind. We are living here and we do have inter, interaction and life to live in, in this world. And Jesus actually said he would give abundant life here on earth so we can have that as well. But the point simply is that when we're, we have that perspective of time and it doesn't matter how rich you are, or how poor you are, you cannot, in fact, extend the time that you've been given here on earth, right? And people uh, have, have worked their whole life to get things and then have life come to an end, and they spent their whole life searching and, and, and uh, trying to achieve that which they cannot take with them. And, you, you know, you think of, you know, there wasn't enough money. For instance, Steve, I think of Steve Jobs, who... You know, it was a man who achieved a lot kind of on earth as far as earthly wealth as well as, you know, achievements. But there, he didn't, there was not enough. He couldn't extend his life one day. When the time was over, it's over. And it's good to know that and to live not with always that as a, something hovering over you, but as something you anticipate. Because as a Christian, it's something we look forward to. As followers of Jesus, we recognize that this world does, does not compare to the world that is set before us 
in Christ and what God has for us. So we're going to take a look at a portion of Scripture. Um, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastics. Ecclesiastes. If you've never read that book, it's a very interesting book. If you understand the concept it's written under, then it makes sense. And it is, it, Ecclesiastes is written by the smartest man that ever lived other than Christ. The Bible says he was the smartest guy and he was the wealthiest man who ever lived. Um, in today's, uh, e even today, he would, uh, uh, he would, he would uh, surpass Jeff Bezos with uh, with his money. His house was made of gold. That should tell you something. Um, he uh, was extremely wealthy. He was a king. He had incredible power. Because he had both, because he had power, wealth, and very smart wisdom, um, he was able to do something that no one else probably could do at the level that he did. And during his time, he backslid. And during that time, he decided he was going to do an experiment in finding out the, the, the best way to live, the most successful. He was looking for life, as he calls it, under the sun, because that's life without God. And his chief aim was to find happiness in his life. What he discovered is as long as you're seeking after happiness, you'll never get it. It doesn't come from seeking after it. It comes from a relationship with God. He was seeking for meaning in life, and he could not find it under the sun. And he tried everything that he could that brought pleasure to his, you know, to his himself. And uh, and he tried it in every kind, in sexual pleasures, in in uh, in in just entertainment pleasures. He tried every kind of thing that could soothe his, uh, you know, his emptiness in his heart and he, and everything he did. And that's the story of Ecclesiastics because it, the, the book of Ecclesiastics keeps saying this over and over again, meaningless, meaningless. In the old King James, it was vanity, vanity, just emptiness, emptiness. Because he would go through these things and he would go all the way into it. See, if he was going to, if he was going to just see what, you know, uh, zoning out on, on drugs and so forth would do or alcohol in that day, he would, he just went all the way in. He tried to do it with, you know, sexual pleasure. He had 700 concubines and 300 wives and he would go into, go it all the way in and then find out what an emptiness it's brought me. And so... Everything he did, he came to the conclusion at the end, what a waste, what an emptiness. Because under the sun, if you're only looking under the sun, in other words, if you're only looking on at earth without God, life without God, you'll never find any more. The most you can get is an emptiness, if you're smart enough to recognize that. And he was. And so we're... We're taking a look, not the entire book. We might do this a little bit later on uh, next year, but we're looking at chapter three because there's this element is the thing that comes out as he's kind of looking at all the things that happen. And in chapter three, he starts off in verse number one. He says, "Every to to everything there is a season." 
So in his observation, there's these seasons of life, seasons, things that happen in, in this world, in, in life. And he says, a time for every purpose under heaven. So there's, he understands that there's purposes. Notice he says, under heaven, not above. Every purpose under heaven, he sees and observes these things that are part of, you know, human life. And, uh, and, and this, the discovery of these things. Now, he uses the word time in an interesting way. Because there's two words in the original Hebrew and uh, the Greek translation in Septuagint. The first one is where we get our word chronology, the word chronos, and chronos. It's actually the idea of you, you know, these are, in, each of us have our lives and these things happen individually in our lives and we look at these things that happen in our lives. The other word has to do with a broader spectrum. It's, in fact, that's why the word seasons is brought into it. That God is do, allowing, God is doing these things in the world and really it brings into uh, recognition that God has a sovereignty over all these things that are happening in our life. In other words, things aren't happening in your life, just happenstance. And some people recognize that and some don't. And if you live your life with just this idea that life is just kind of whatever happens is just happenstance, nothing makes sense, which is true primarily no, no matter whether you, you understand God's in charge of everything or God's there in everything or if you just are one who believes that this is just an accident. It's still, still life at times does not make sense. But the point is that the believer, the person who understands that God is actually there in our lives, God is actually working in our lives, then we start to trust God in a different, we, we live life differently. And I tell you, we live life better, more successful, with more peace, with more, more, more understanding in our life. We see God and then we're used by God. See, this chapter, the word time is mentioned 30 times in this chapter in that way. So this is a, this is a chapter about time. And uh, the, the most valuable thing in life. And it says, and so what we find in this list, we find something about our life. Much of our life, much of your life is lived in the mundane Right? Isn't that true? I mean, much of our life is lived, it, it's usually not, I and mean, we have these peaks and valleys, but most of our life is lived in the mundane. I was looking at uh, a, a study they did, in fact, there's several of them, and they all come to pretty much the same conclusion. They take a person that's 70 years old, and they kind of uh, chart out what ha has gone on in your life if you're 70 years old. If you're at 70 years old, the average person has spent six months sitting at a stoplight. I've already surpassed that. I, I've already surpassed that. Eight months opening up junk mail. One year looking for misplaced objects. Yeah, I spent two hours this last week looking for my, my phone. Just, just yeah, I've, I've surpassed that one too. Um, my wife's always finding things for me. Two years 
unsuccessfully trying to return phone calls and email messages. How many have had that? You, you think you might getting close to that. Um, four years of doing housework. Five years waiting in line somewhere. Seven years eating. Now that's productive, right? That's productive stuff. Um, 20 years sleeping. 27 years at work. 10 years recreating. Uh, two years getting dressed. Four years being sick. And five months tying your shoes. I'm not buying any more shoes that you have to tie. Everything's going to be slip on. What a waste of time. So, this, this is our life. It's the mundane, right? It's, it's what we, we, we live in the, the, the daily activities of life. So then Solomon says, he says, there's a time for everything under heaven. And then he gives us this list. 28 things, 14 positive, 14 negative. And he starts out by saying, and I'm not going to do a detail on, uh, on this list because that's not the point, but he's, he says... There's a time to be born and a time to die. Of course, neither of those are in your hands fully, right? And uh, only even the time to die is only if you completely and totally disregard God completely and, and choose to end what God has chosen you not to end your life. But you didn't choose when you were born. You, uh, that, that was just something that happened. In fact, it happens 368 times. Every minute on this planet, people are born into this world. And 208 times every minute, someone dies. That's, that's what happens, and, and people don't know when, and their time on this earth, and that's what he says, there's a time to live, and there's a, a, a time to die, and you just don't know. You just don't know. It's like the guy who got a phone call from his doctor, and his doctor says, you know, I have, I have some bad news, and I have some worse news. And he says, well, what's the bad news? He says, well, you only have 24 hours to live. And he said, okay, well, what's the worst news? And he says, I was supposed to tell you yesterday. <laughs> you just never know, right? <laughs> I know that's bad. If they were at the symbols right there, it would be hitting them right now. But, <clears throat> um, but the Bible says this, it's appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. We know that's true. We know that happens to everyone. That, that it's appointed for a person to die and then the judgment. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that the, the days you fashioned us, they, they, he, you fashioned every day for us before we were even born. Before there were any days for us. Those days are fashioned by God. The Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a heart of wisdom to, to number your days. You say, what do you mean? Do I like count every day I've been alive? I don't think that's the idea. The idea is, Lord, I know there's a limited amount of time. And that brings wisdom to me to, to recognize there's a limited amount of time. Not, not so much that I be hurried, but I be aware of and conscious of this gift that God's given me, how valuable the, the, the gift of life is. Every breath is a gift from God, and it's, it's to be valued as that gift from God. And so, uh, so we can't choose the day we're born. We can't choose, we don't choose the day that we die. 
but we can choose the day that we are reborn. And that's a gift that God gives us as well, that we choose whether we're going to follow Christ, and at that moment when we say yes to Jesus, we're born again. And that's the only way that you can have eternity, out, outside, live in the eternal world outside of this earth. We live in this, this time um, continuum. We're, we live in, the ever, you know, in, in this time frame where everything is linear. You and I, you know, we see each day as a adding on. We're moving forward. Uh, but there's something in the heart of each person. We'll talk about this a little bit later. But there's something in the heart of each person that, that has a concept of eternity. And that, that what God does, God lives outside of time. We, we describe it. We describe it in a way we actually cannot understand. We say it this way. We'll say, you know, eternity is like a line that goes forever that direction and then forever that direction. It never ends. Well, that's eternity. No, eternity is there's no line at all. Right? We live in the line, but at, when eternity comes, we live, and God lives outside of eternity, which is actually a scientific uh, proven you know, point, or at least, uh, uh, at least Einstein has made it popular that we, in fact, time is fact, in fact connected with what? It's, it, with matter, you know, and, uh, and, and, uh, and space, that there's actually time is a physical thing. Okay, I don't understand that, you know, but I understand that Einstein understood that. That's, that's about the where, where it goes, you know, that there is this, that there is this space-time, you know, concept that is, that is connected to matter and without matter, and that it isn't, it isn't a constant time, that, that time, there, there's, in fact, time moves at different, a different, different pace. But that is a biblical concept, because the biblical concept is that God lives outside of time. And so time isn't something that is, it, it's only universal in the concept of, of the fact that there's matter. You see? But without matter, without the, 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 the creation, there is no time. God lives outside that. That is the realm in which God says that someday we will live in. We'll live in the, in the realm beyond time. So, um, he says, so there's, there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. You know, there, a time to kill and a time to heal. And we don't like that concept, but there really is in, in, the, in the, well, you can see it in, in a couple of different ways. I had a great piece of steak last night. I was happy there was a time to kill. Now, you vegans don't understand that concept, but, but it was... It, it, the, there is a time to heal. There's a time to break down. There's a time to build up. There, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to weep, a time to laugh. You know, sometimes you just, you, you, you weeping is the right thing to do. You know, and laughing is the right thing to do. I was talking to my friend um, just yesterday, actually, um, who had lost his, his wife and his daughter to COVID. His 37-year-old daughter and his wife of 50, over 50 years um, just a, a little over a week ago. 
and he's just, he's, he's a godly man of God. I mean, he just, that's a, that's a kind of redundant, godly man of God. He's God, he's a man of God. And he, he, he loves the Lord. And he was saying to me, he says, I'm, it's just starting to become like real to me that this, this has happened. And we start, you know, processing, walking through that. And, and he says, and, you know, I, I find myself, as everyone would, um, just at times where he just, you know, breaks down. And it's, he's kind of a tough guy, you know. He was a very tough guy <laughs> growing up. And, uh, and yet, you know, he finds this brokenness that he's walking through and the grieving. And he tells me this. He says, but I'm doing good. He says, I'm going through this, he says, and, and there's, there's a time of grieving, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good with Jesus, he tells me. Is he, and I, I know that's true. I know that he's walking in that. Then he, then he, then he makes this statement. He says, you know, one of, my, one of my friends told me, he says, they always take, why does God always take the good ones? And I'm kind of reflecting, going, yeah, that's true, you know? That's true. What does that say about us if we're still here, Right? And then we start laughing, right? And he starts laughing, I start laughing. There, there's a healing. There's a, time, there's a time to weep. And there's a time to laugh. And you don't want to laugh at the wrong time, right? There's a time not to laugh. I remember when I was dating my wife, you have to know this about me, that sometimes if something catches me kind of uh, and tickles my funny bone on this, I'll start laughing, I can't stop. I mean, I just can't. I'm just, that's just, I'll just start laughing. And the more I try, I, I'll try biting my tongue. I'll try thinking the worst things in life that I could think of to try to, you know, get the, you know, feel sad, try to stop. And if I'm going through it, it's, I'm just going to laugh it out. And I can't help it. And I was, I was dating Carol, okay? This was a long time ago, obviously. I was dating Carol. I was just, you know, the pastor knew me because we I was in the church, kind of, but he didn't know me in this realm. And he's kind of, we're, we're in that stage where he's like looking at this long-haired, um, surfer, hippie, scary dude, and going, he's dating my beautiful, wonderful, sweet joy of my life daughter so I was already already kind of the on the negative side of things as he viewed me at that point so they invited me he he had pastored this church started this church years before and they invited him back you know to to recognize him on their you know I don't know 25 year anniversary whatever it was it was a little church and I went with them Carol asked me to come with them so we went together and we're sitting on the front row while he's sitting on the stage and we're in the front row he's looking at us and the rest and it's a small group in this church and they brought and this lady comes up to sing well it was a small kind of hick church and it was the worst guitar playing I've ever heard and it was the worst singing I ever heard both at the same time so she's way off tune. I mean, and she's not just off tune, but she's singing loud way off. I mean, really bad. And, and, and she's playing really bad. And it just, it just hit me funny. And I, and I started to laugh. I started to, to chuckle like, you know. And then it just got me. I mean, because the more I chuckled, the more 
her dad's eyes got big looking at me. So the more his eyes got bigger looking at me, the more I started to laugh. Well, then Carol started laughing. That made it worse. And, th- and so I, you know, I bit my tongue. That didn't help. I'm, I got my hands in, you know, my face, my face in my hands. I'm just, and then I did. I learned this trick a, 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 a while ago is um, I started to cough. Because, see, then it looks like I'm just coughing, not laughing. And so I'm coughing. <coughs> and, and it didn't fool anybody. And, but what saved me, I, I knew it was over. I knew he was never going to let his daughter see me again the rest of my, her, her life. And then my mother-in-law, my future mother-in-law at the time, she started laughing. When she laughed, it, it, uh, it saved me. She saved me. She, she, she laughed. So I walked out coughing and acting like. But there's a time to laugh, and I thought I'd ruin my life, my future with my beautiful bride. But um, that there's a time to laugh, and there's a, there's a time to cry, he says. And, and the scripture says, um, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, the, the Bible says in Psalms 126.5, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I want you to notice the word there is sow in tears. What is that? that, that that's when, when a person is praying there's in, with, with brokenness, they're sowing in tears. And when you sow, you get to reap the reward. The reward of sowing in tears as you pour out your heart to God is that you're going to reap joy. It will come back. God will bring joy. The Bible says in Psalms 30 and verse 5, reaping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God brings. You know, the, the Bible says a contrite and broken heart, the Lord says, I will not despise he, when, when we break, our hearts are broken before God and we come before him with brokenness. He says, it's a, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to, to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. If you never do the time to throw away, you become a hoarder, right? A, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak boy having that one right can make a a big difference in your future you know when to speak and when to stay quiet a time to love and a time to hate there are things actually the bible even tells us to hate but he's just a, see all he's doing is, is observing as people do these things a time to war and a time to peace and then he says this what profit has the worker from that in, in which he labors? He's asking this question. What profit? Now he's looking, and remember, he's saying, what is under the sun? Without God, without God, if God is not in the equation, what benefits of all of our labor? You work your whole life, and then you die. You, you try to achieve, and then you're in the ground. See, without God in the equation, he's saying, what a, there, there's an emptiness in everything. I don't care what you've achieved. I don't care what you've accomplished. In two generations, nobody will remember your name. I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm just talking about under the earth, un, under heaven. It's just a reality. 
How many know the name of your great, great, great grandparents? Yeah? It's life, we live whole lives and, and then it, we, we disappear and we, we're, we're in the ground and you go, Rick, what a, you know, what a downer you are. No, 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 I'm just saying under the sun, there's hope. You just have to wait to the end here. There's still hope. But, but he's saying, what a waste of all that we have. Life without God, he's saying, basically is meaningless. It's just meaningless. We do so much, and it's just meaningless. And if you, if you don't get that, you won't go, you won't go beyond. Now, all you'll do is live in your meaningless life thinking that it's meaningful. There is a way to make it meaningful, but it can never be only under the sun. And then he says, I have seen the God-given task which with the sons of men are to be occupied. See, he, he sees what God, he sees the God-given task. Now, he's listing these things and he sees them as God-given, that over all of this is God, that God is operating. God is, God is in the mix, and we just don't recognize it, you know, by and large. God's in the mix of our lives. God is, is, is part of what's going on, and we don't recognize that it's God. And that's the difference, because the difference is that those who recognize God in the mix and those who don't live completely different. And the meaning of life changes when you understand that God's in the mix, that God is part, God is doing things. And he says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. That the ultimate end of all of what God is doing is a beautiful thing. Even though in the middle of it, in the center of it many times, as we're walking through this kind of um, lack of understanding we, we we walk with a limited understanding we look at it and we will see these times of of brokenness and times of questioning what is going on why is it going on it doesn't make sense the fact is you will not we will not know everything and the whys of everything Things happen in this life, and only a God who is all-knowing understands all that's going on. But what he's saying to us is this, that even when you don't understand, and even when things don't look like they're good, and even when things look terrible, and when you have, you have major questions, and you have ma major disappointments, understand this, it's all beautiful in the, in the grand scheme of what God is doing. It's all beautiful. And, and when we will stand before him, I, I you know, the, the, I've heard people say, you know what, I have some questions for God. Boy, when I see him, no, you won't. You won't have any questions. You won't have, not, not, you won't have any questions. Maybe one question is, how could you love me so much? That, that might be your question. When you actually see him. And know what he's done. That's the you know, you're not going to have questions. You're going to you. I believe you'll understand. I believe you'll you'll get it, and you'll see that everything was beautiful. You'll see that what God the the scheme of God's working in everything is beautiful in His time. It's why the believer often quotes you know Romans eight twenty eight. 
that all things work together for good to those that love God. That you understand that God is able and has, in fact, turned everything in your life, every bad thing in your life, he has turned to good. And you might not even recognize it, don't even know what he's doing. But he is. He's turning every stinking bad thing in your life into good. And eternally, even though God wasn't the one who orchestrated harm, he did, in fact, in his grand scheme, is making good out of everything in your life. And he says, and then he makes this statement, which is crucial in our understanding. He also has put eternity in their hearts. He also has put eternity in their hearts. See, I, I don't want to disappoint anybody or, or on this, but I just have to tell you, your dog doesn't pray. I've seen people say, my dog prays. Puts her paw together. Have you seen that? No, your dog's not praying. It's just trying to get another treat. That's all. Your dog only cares a couple of things. Dog cares if it gets fed, if it gets to sleep after it's had a good meal, and if you take it for a walk. You know, your dog doesn't care. Your dog doesn't pray. Your dog doesn't care about life after death. Has no concept of eternity. Only human beings do. 